0: how's it going everybody back with a brand new episode of pitching to contact my name is rich burfer i'm joined as always by my co-host pete horner we're getting a little closer than usual this this time around we're both in las vegas finally meeting in person so we're going to be using one mic today also we're going to be joined this time by our west coast regional manager jared bacon jared how's it going dude
1: pretty good richard how about yourself
0: uh, we're we're doing okay. We're both really really hungover. Um, it's been a really long weekend in Las Vegas. Lots of good meetings, lots of good interviews. Um, seeing lots of famous people and we thought on the last night we should just get really really drunk and that's what essentially what we did on the week. Okay. How's it going, Pete? I am just doing
2: standing right now. I feel like I feel 100% right now. I am so ready to go, Richard.
0: Yeah, I've never been this ready to go, man. Oh yeah,
2: dude, let's go. Let's dominate this pod today, man.
0: Uh huh. So, Jared, uh, you've been here since Sunday. Um, obviously, you flew out of town yesterday. How would you find this experience? This was your first time here, right?
1: Yeah, it was my first time at the winter meetings, and I and I thought it was absolutely incredible. Really great to especially finally meet all of you guys and meet everyone um, from CBBSN, but also at the same time getting a chance to talk to a lot of people in the industry, kind of see where things are going. And I'm really excited about where baseball is headed. And it was just absolutely great to kind of have everyone gathered in one place.
0: Mm-hmm. So what was kind of the purpose of why you came down here? Obviously you have com- uh, company stuff to do, but did you have interviews? Did you have any meeting? Like, what, are you, what were you kind of looking for?
1: So for me, since I'm still a, a sophomore in college, I'm looking mainly for summer internships. So I had a, a couple meetings and an interview, and I thought it went well, still kind of waiting to hear back. But in general, it was just a great experience to be able to just come and talk baseball for hours and hours and hours. And I think for me, that was absolutely the best part of the experience.
2: Absolutely. Jared, um, kind of a side note, kind of kind of a little funny question. Out of everybody in the management group here at CBBSN, who's the funniest guy and why? Uh,
0: there's only
1: I one. Think- I think the answer is is obviously Pete. Oh yeah. Um, and I know that Pete and I have spent hours this week kind of talking, um, talking about pitching, talking about basically everything. And we even went to a Florida Georgia line show together the other day. And so I think really getting a chance to to see his sense of humor uh, beyond the group me was was pretty cool.
0: Dude, I wasn't actually expecting that answer. Like that I'm actually kind of shook. So oh, you, had, oh, okay. you were you were a
1: close second, Richard. A close second. Okay, that's that's good. There we go. You kind of saved yourself there.
0: I'm
2: gonna be honest. I thought it would be like a Robert Fry answer. I like that's that's, gonna that's gonna what, that's what I was expecting. I <laughs> one more question for you while I'm thinking about it, Jared. Um, who is the best prospect in the Atlanta Brave system right now? There's only one correct answer, oh my my Richard. God.
1: I think the answer you're looking for is uh, is Tuki Pete. We're gonna um,
0: <laughs> pretend you've never seen that. <laughs> um. How was the Florida Georgia Line
1: concert? Uh, it, was, it was pretty cool. It was definitely definitely an intimate experience, pretty small venue, mm. a theater kind of within Planet Hollywood. And Pete just kind of asked me to go last minute. He's I know he's a huge Florida Georgia Line fan. And I was like, why not? We're in Vegas. Might as well make the most of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of seemed like you guys put this idea together very last minute. Um
2: oh no it wasn't necessarily last minute it was just in my head for the longest time uh-huh. and nobody was like oh yeah bro i'll go with you so i kind of last minute did it myself but yeah um,
0: it's I- kind of funny because i remember when uh pete came down to las vegas he was like "Yo, i've seen florida georgia line like three times in concert so i don't really care if i see them or not and then the day of the concert it's like hey can somebody please come watch the, let's go to the go to this concert with me <laughs> You're just dagging. I already have words, like
2: I mean it's country bro. I mean think oh about it this God. way like unless you're like country is a hit or miss genre, mm-hmm. dude. Like you either love it or you yeah. hate it. Like Richard, what do you what, how do you feel about country?
0: I mean it's okay. It's okay. I mean okay. I can survive without it. <laughs> See, but you're also from
2: Canada too. Yeah. It's okay. So can like here's a question. Um you can survive without country music, but can you survive without um I don't know, Noah Nailer?
0: I probably cannot survive without Noah Naylor. No. I don't think the Cleveland Indians can survive without Noah Naylor.
2: Did Cleveland Indians are barely surviving right now. So I mean,
0: I mean that's the catcher of their future right now. So exactly, they, um, that's a lot. But Jared, here's a, here's another question for you. Obviously, at the winter meetings, you you see a lot of people within MLB. Who who was the one guy you saw that you were like, oh my god, this that that's a really cool thing, like. Jeez, I didn't expect to see that guy. That's so cool.
1: Uh, I think the other day we were in the, in the Mandalay Bay lobby and Pedro Martinez just walks by. And for me, I, that yeah. was really cool because when you're there, you know, all the front office executives are there. You expect to kind of see them around but when you see hall of famer walk right by you. It, it's definitely something that takes you aback. You Pete?
2: Oh, I mean, I, I have multiple stories, but like, I mean, just in general, like last night, for example, Jared, I'm, I'm actually kind of sad you weren't here to see this cause you were on your plane. Um, Caleb and I were in the main lobby. We were heading to an Uber to go do some, uh, biz- official business things. Mm-hmm.
0: And, um, the most important part of the trip.
2: Yeah. The most important part of the trip. And, um, we're walking through the lobby and there's this, there's a skinny bald guy on the phone and I look at him, and I look at Caleb and I'm like, I think that's Brian Cashman. And, Caleb's like, I don't know, who, I don't know, I don't, wait, I don't know if that's Brian Cashman or not. So he literally turns around and follows this man all the way over to buy the Four Seasons, oh and then god. he finally clicks with them. He's like, "Oh my god!" And I'm like, "What?" And he's like, "It's Brian Cashman." And I'm like, "I told you that like two minutes ago, bro." But no, that was like a pretty cool experience. And then mm-hmm. also on top of that, um, I think being in the same elevator as Calabote was pretty fun, and. All that and shout out to Peyton Trelich for not recognizing who Kyle Bodie was while he was standing right in front of him
0: oh that's kind of, that's kind of embarrassing yeah
2: kind of kind of is an understatement you mm-hmm. think me begging for somebody to go to FGL with me is embarrassing not knowing who Kyle Bodie of all people is is embarrassing
0: Jesus um I mean if I had to answer this question is um let me see. Um, I've seen Mark Shapiro, Alex Antopoulos. seen Trevor Hoffman was really, really cool. Um, I'd say probably um Alex Antopoulos because he's the one who um kind of gave, kind of built the Jays to make it to the playoffs for the first time in my lifetime. So, oh, that's the guy. That's the savior uh who gave me hope. Um, who made me believe that the Blue Jays can make it to the playoffs and. Mm-hmm lose eventually so that yeah. was that was really really cool yeah. uh now, but-
2: now richard um i know there's certain things we can't talk about and we have to keep private because mlb business matters but i just kind of wanted to say something richard who is the best most sexiest team in major league baseball right now it's atlanta braves That's the atlanta braves okay viewers remember that in a few months okay mm-hmm. the atlanta braves just remember that just remember i mentioned that right now i'm, <sighs> dro- I'm dropping some li- i'm dropping some knowledge for the future okay uh-huh
0: <laughs> and um i know pete mentioned um brian cashman and we were walking around the lobby yesterday and we just we see uh brian cashman and the gm of the of the um the san francisco giants just chilling together for like half an hour yeah. and say uh, is yeah. he the gm or is he he's the like president, president. he's like the president okay. he's like he's yeah. basically
2: like chris hansen that's is fair. for the indians like
0: um, do, do we think that uh, Madison Bumgarner is on his way out of San Francisco right now?
2: I honestly don't think so. I mean, I don't think right now, at least, if you look at the San Francisco Giants, the organizational mm-hmm. model, I think they're in a position right now where they don't really want to train anybody and they don't really want to sign anybody. Mm-hmm. They're at those like really beginning stages of rebuilding where they already have so much money thrown in on so much players mm-hmm. that signing anybody in free agent isn't really going to make much sense. And then also on top of that, it's not like they, other than Madison Bumgarner, Gardner really have or Brandon Belt or, or
0: Buster, Buster Posey. Posey I mean they have pieces
2: they have some pieces to trade off but I don't think that necessarily that their markets are the best either because but, but the Buster Posey has that micro fracture in his hip right now mm. Madison Bumgarner, Um, honestly I know a lot of people remember back in the World Series Madison Bumgarner but honestly if you really look at a lot of things logistically for him he's kind of a hit or miss guy and I'm sure each organization feels pretty differently about him Mm-hmm. and then also um, brandon belt once again is he's a talented player but at the same time is one of those hit or miss guys mm-hmm. i think I mean, san... they
0: also have crawford at short yeah that, but that dude's legit
2: he's a legit fielder i'd still yeah. I'm, I'm still not necessarily sold on the bat mm-hmm. but um to me here's the way i see it i think the san francisco giants are in a position right now where they're at the very beginning stages of like really tearing it down and rebuilding that they're mm-hmm they're not going to really trade anybody until maybe say the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. I think right now they're in a position where they're just kind of be kind of a sit and duck for right now. Cause mm-hmm. it's not like they really can't do anything. Right. What about you, Richard? What do you
0: think? I mean, I actually wanted to get Jared's opinion right now. Okay. These Jared, are guests. That's Let's okay. go. That's fair point. That's
1: a fair point. I'm sorry. Jared. Yeah, so I, I actually, I actually agree with Pete. I was, I was going to say, I don't really see them trading him this off season. I think if a deal happens, it will happen at the deadline. And I think worst case scenario for them is they don't end up finding a suitable trade. They offer him that qualifying offer next year. Uh, He doesn't take it. They let him walk. And then now you have some draft picks to work with. And I think with them, like Pete was saying, they have so much money tied up right now that they don't really have the resources to go and acquire expensive talent. And I think by using those expiring contracts to either get prospects or get picks, I think that's where the giants are really going to start their rebuild.
0: So what's kind of their contract situation with all these guys? Like what's, where's Madison Bumgarner and Buster Posey, hundred Pence? What's, um, what's the status on all these guys?
2: Um, I believe
0: Madison Bumgarner
2: hit, hit, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe Madison Bumgarner hits free agency next off season. Doesn't he?
0: Um, Madison, that is correct.
2: Okay. It's like, I, I, I know like next year's free agency class is going to be absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. Um, Buster Posey's tied up for a few more years, though, isn't he? I,
0: I think that Buster Posey must be tied up until past 2020. But that's just me. I have no idea. Like I've we, never we, fancied myself with the San Francisco Giant contract situation. Yeah,
1: so right. I, I'm just looking this up now. So Posey is signed through 2021 mm-hmm. with a team option for 2022.
2: That's going to be a very expensive piece on a the trade then. So. Yeah.
0: But, I mean, I'm looking at the Madison Baumgartner contract, and he's making $12 million this upcoming season. I mean, this guy's a trade ship. Mm-hmm. This, this guy is, one of, is going to be one of the biggest trade ships on the market. So come, um, come the middle of the season uh, when we're nearing the trade deadline and say the San Francisco Giants are, are out of it, which I think they will be, them, I mean,
2: they will be. They, I mean, they don't got a shot. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's
0: shot. reword that. They will not have a shot. Uh, I mean, you have Madison Bum- Bumgarner there, and if he's healthy, that's a. I mean, that's going to be one of the big names in the market.
2: So I had a feel, I had an epiphany that just hit me. Sure. I think Madison Bumgarner by July of next year will be a Tampa Bay Ray. That is my Skip Bayless quote of the day. Why? Um, Why? Yeah, why? Why? Because the Rays are just good at trolling teams and I feel like Madison Bumgarner would actually Mm -hmm. be a pretty decent fit there. Mm -hmm. And also if it's a one year deal and they just have to give up a couple prospects for that. And speaking of I feel like that could actually be a thing, but speaking of the Rays, can we talk about this Charlie Morton signing and just how perfect it is? Mm -hmm. Like that is just an awesome signing. Like I couldn't think of a more perfect fit for both parties.
1: Uh, I I absolutely love this signing for the Rays. I think it's great. I, I love Morden as a pitcher. Anytime you have stuff like that and the results that he's gotten the last few years uh, with the Astros, I think for him, yes, age is always a concern with pitchers and especially with his injury history. But at the same time, you look at what he's done the last two years and you look at the stuff that he has and you look at what Tampa Bay has been able to do with pitchers. I think you, you get him in the rotation now, and if he if his stuff starts to play down a little as he ages, is he starts to lose a little bit, then you can do what the Rays do perfectly and just turn him into a multi-inning high-leverage reliever.
0: Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think this was just a perfect signing. Like um, We were running around all day yesterday. We look up at the big screen, and we see Charlie Morton to the Rays. I believe the contract's a two-year, $30 million deal. It just fits so well. This is... Ex- exactly what the Rays do he just seems like a guy who would just really benefit being with the Rays and the Rays are just continuing being the Rays like this is another good signing like they're doing some really cool stuff over there and I think I think Charlie Morton still still got a couple of really good years in him like you said really good stuff um his fastballs in the high 90s if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, no, I've never um, seen
2: a guy who can work both a fastball and a two-seamer and command it on both sides of the plate like he can. But mm-hmm. then on top of that, just have an absolute wicked hammer to throw in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that no left-handed hitter can really possibly hit. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. Like, um, Jared, what do you think is more sexier? Mark DeRosa's flow, his hair, or Charlie Morton's curveball?
1: I mean, I think Charlie Morton's curveball for sure. As much as I love d it's pretty impossible to, to match that curveball. And I know we, we love to talk about a lot of the analytics behind it and, and spin rate is one of those kind of key buzzword metrics. But when you look at Morton's stuff, really high spin rate on the fastball and pairs that with a high spin rate on the curveball. And when you make it that tough for a hitter to figure out, is that a high fastball or is this a curveball in the dirt? and you sequenced it well enough. And I know the Astros have done a great job with sequencing and, and the Rays are also another team that's done an outstanding job with sequencing, especially when you look at what they did with Glasnow after he came over, um, after the Archer trade, I think it's just Morton's curveball is just something that every time you see it, Mm -hmm. there's at least one or two, he'll throw every star and you're just like, wow. Oh
2: yeah. Oh boy, dude. I heard a buzzword in there. I heard sequencing. I'm happy now. Jared. How many hours have we spent, like when we were walking through the PBO job fair, you know, pushing the CBBSN brand, you know, spreading the good word? How many hours did we sit there and just go back and forth talking about sequencing and commanding your fastball, getting over your front side, all that kind of stuff? Like, how much, how many pitching mechanic things did I throw at you over this week? I'm kind of curious.
1: I think it was in. It's just countless. I think whenever we weren't in meetings, whenever we weren't. Um, talking to people and talking to teams, we were just talking pitching. Mm-hmm. And I think for us, I think we talked about this the other day, is, is sequencing is just the absolute most important thing as a pitcher. I know you like to say the best pitch is anything off of a well-located fastball. Mm-hmm. And and I think right now, like with the way that technology has evolved, being able to watch um, GIFs on Pitching Ninja's Twitter and really get to a visual sense for how sequencing works, how two pitches play off of one another, I think that's where, where baseball is heading right now. It's now we, we're able to measure the stuff. Mm-hmm. We're able to see what a spin rate is, what the movement on a pitch is, and really able to quantify that. But the next direction right now is how does sequencing work? I know Baseball prospectus has done some stuff with tunneling. It's really in its infancy stage, but sequencing mm-hmm. is really kind of, the next frontier that we really have to go after
2: oh no absolutely and you know like i'm not going to go on some 10 minute tangent to explain this to the listeners back home but i know you and i kind of really talked about it very much in depth about how i use sequencing to my advantage Mm -hmm. as a pitching coach and how i genuinely think as a pitcher other than obviously stuff pitchability and athleticism it's definitely the most important thing that makes a pitcher develop and makes a pitcher thrive like i've seen pitchers who In major league baseball who are extremely talented who sequence the right way and they get out and i've also seen like extremely talented pitchers in major league organizations who they're at the wrong organization and maybe they don't sequence in the best way to that pitcher's capabilities and you see them kind of fail i mean for example i genuinely think like chris archer is an amazing example of that um just in general though like kind of transitioning a little bit so we don't get caught up in like a 30 minute conversation about pitch sequencing and
0: charlie morton and
2: but see, charlie morton is so legendary man. Yeah. i love charlie morton
0: what, um, what a huge surprise pete talking about pitching
2: oh i know right it's all it's not, he really talks i know about it's not like I, it's not like i wake up in the morning yeah and can sleep pitching right like
0: wake up pitching <laughs> yeah basically
2: that's me i woke up the first word i said this morning pitching mm-hmm. so Um'm kind
0: of, to contact it because this is the first thing we're doing in the morning. Oh,
2: yeah, let's yeah, let's not go too much into detail about that, but yeah, um this is an early morning pod for us. Um, in general though Jared, I want to talk a little bit about some bad signings because I I genuinely at least personally think a really bad signing happened today. I mean not today, but uh, two days ago. um Andrew McCutcheon to the Phillies. it's not necessarily Andrew McCutcheon going to the Phillies, but three years. 50 million dollars you're mm-hmm. telling me that andrew mccutcheon who was i'm correct me if i'm wrong just about over a two win player last year is worth 16 and a half million dollars a year jerry can you talk to me a little bit about that maybe explain some logic to me maybe give me some sense about that
0: just like please help pete horner makes sense of everything because he's really <laughs> struggling right
2: now at least with the philly signing like i'm just still struggling with that
1: I I think the Phillies definitely overpaid for McCutcheon. I I kind of viewed him as someone who would get three years in the eight to $10 million range, because I think with McCutcheon, um, he he has kind of struggled with injuries, which has tended to kind of deflate his numbers a little bit. Last year, you were right. He's just over a two in player, around two and a half. And I think for him really, I like to see him running high OBP still, even with, a low batting average and yes his power is not what it used to be yes his speed isn't what it used to be yes his defense isn't what it used to be but at the same time he's still an above average player and it's really tough to find those on the open market and i think with the phillies too a big thing is is, mar- is the marginal cost for a win we a lot of times talk about dollar per war with the, with that straight line and in reality that's not really what it is it's so much harder to go from being an 89 win team to a 90 win team than it is from being a 72 win team to a 73 win team. And I think the Phillies know the NL East is completely stacked. It's a going to be a tough division. You have the Braves, you have the Nationals, you have the Phillies. Now you have the Mets making moves too. Yeah, and it's really going to be competitive. And so I, I understand why they yeah, felt oh, they need dude. to really have to pay, but it's, it's a lot
2: about the Miami Marlins man, um shout out to them. They, they they might potentially make some moves to contend this year and I'm really excited to see them not mm-hmm. do that. Um because like I did they did do they have new uniforms with their logo? They definitely do. Have um, they done
0: anything this offseason? No, yet? they're about
2: to trade JT Real Muto for probably right. pennies on the dollar. Right, okay. right, right. Yeah, um by the way, shout out to the Mets for still having a depleted farm system just mm-hmm. to get Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz. I'm
0: still triggered by that deal. Yeah. Um but uh, let me yeah, actually ask this yeah. uh, real quick about um the Phillies. So Jared, is signed Andrew McCutcheon, what do you think that means for them in the uh, Bryce Harper sweeps sweepstakes?
1: It it means they're they're all in on him, I think for me. I think you're not gonna spend that kind of money on McCutcheon if you don't think that you can go get either Harper or Machado, because I I think they know that their window right now is starting to open up, Mm -hmm. especially with kind of, they have two years left on the area to deal. I know he's struggled. Um, They still have two years of him. They have, I think four more years left of club control of Hoskins. Um, Kingery, I know struggled in his rookie year, but now they've locked him up for a while. Um, And then now getting Segura too, that, that really kind of, puts them in this in this win now mode and mm-hmm. and that's even without even mentioning Aaron Nola and the rest of their starting rotation and so I think for them they're trying to find a way to, to get competitive again and I know last year was a start yeah. but but they definitely kind of they, they they're looking to make that push now from a 500 team to a playoff team and that's one of the hardest things to do
2: right I think um and I think you said a, re- a lot of really good things in there, Jared. But to kind of build off what you were saying a little bit, um, I know I'm kind of over here like talking a lot of crap about how much money they spent. Um, truthfully, in my opinion, like it's not that I don't think I don't. It's not that I think that um, Andrew McCutcheon is a bad player. Um, I think he's a valuable offensive bat. I think if you look at the metrics last year. Um, I don't think there is – an. I mean, there are a few outfielders that are really good at hitting fastballs, but I think over the course of time, time, Andrew McCutcheon is one of the best fastball-hitting outfielders we still have in Major League Baseball right now. So there's definitely some value for that. It's just when you sign in free agency, and it doesn't matter necessarily how much money Mm -hmm. you have, you're signing for what you're going to get, not what it was in the past, right? Mm -hmm. So when I think of Andrew McCutcheon, I just don't – I mean, I know the numbers don't add up to it either—that sixteen and a half million per year. Yeah, but and like, and I get it—they're going for it. They're just trying to get stuff locked in because they're obviously going to go after Machado and Harper, and hopefully mm. land one of those two big fishes. I mean, I, I think I, they
0: kind of will. I, know, I, I, I think, think they're they going to. I, I think, think they're they going to. They're really opening up their checkbook right now, and I think by the end of this, they're going to at least have one of them.
2: Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely like. I wholeheartedly just mm. straight up agree with that.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of the really good team in the NLEs, the Miami Marlins are trying to really aggressively move Jt Real muto For pennies on the dollar. <laughs> where is he going to go? um I, we've heard uh, rumors about him maybe going to the Yankees, maybe going to the New York Mets whatever whatever bs that was um yeah, yeah. I haven't, uh, yeah I, we were I just mean, kind of running around and then you hear like, hey, this might happen with the Mets and uh, with the Mets and the Yankees I'm like, oh cool too busy to even care right now yeah. uh but jared what do you think is going to happen over there
1: i i honestly wish i knew the answer to this I, especially with this martin's front office you never know what they're going to do and what offer they're going to take i know interest right now is really strong in real muto which mm-hmm. is definitely going to raise his price yeah um, I, I just it's just hard for me to see kind of the, the deal that ends up happening. I think for me, the place uh, I, that's really intriguing is the Dodgers, mm-hmm. especially after after kind of the, I think they're gonna let Grindel walk. Mm-hmm. And so I think whatever happens with them and the Indians in Kluber and Bauer talks, I think if they're able to either find a way to make that trade without giving up Verdugo or seeing kind of who they give up in that trade, I wouldn't be surprised then if they decide to go really hard after Real Muto and really pursue him. I think I, – I still have no idea what Marlins' asking price is going to be. I'm sure you guys are wondering too because they traded away what back, MVPs and back-to-back seasons, and, and I don't really think they got much when they gave up Yelich.
2: Power for both of those guys. I'm just going to note. Um, um, in general, I mean – Here's my prediction. I genuinely think that Jader Jeter is going to be asking way too much for day team. Muto. as talented of a catcher as he is. I mean, have you seen the ticket prices for Miami
0: Marlins games? But at the same time, he's not even, he hasn't even entered arbitration yet. Like this guy is not going to be a free agent until right around 2021. Mm-hmm. Like this dude's a catcher with a legitimate bat. And how many catchers do you know in the game who can play for relatively well behind home plate and have a bat that can carry it, and, um, I can l- literally carry it slow. He has he, he hits fingers as well. Twenty one home runs last year. It was a four four WAR guy last year. I, this is one of the legit catchers in the game. No,
2: absolutely. That's not, not taking anything away from JT Real Muto, but there's this prospect. His name is Noah Naylor. He's extremely extremely talented and valuable. Um, please disregard that. That was completely irrelevant to this conversation. But no, I think hangovers. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I definitely think JT Real Muto is going to be very trade market um Mm -hmm. i personally don't really hope yeah that um he goes to the los angeles dodgers just because then i just because if he goes to the dodgers i'm just basically just gonna say oh boy the dodgers got another extremely Mm -hmm. talented player probably not a lot because they're just extreme extremely deep i can't
0: wait to see Mm -hmm. them still lose the world series in five games um well, they're also looking at potentially trading for Corey Kluber. There's been rumors that, of that.
2: I've heard that. I've heard, according to Terry Francona, those rumors are hogwash.
0: I would think that they still have a little bit of a window to win right now, and in, in the MLB, I mean, when you have that shot, I mean, you got to go for it. So, yep. what's the plan over here?
2: All right. Well, first off, I'm going to answer your question with a question. Sure. Is the Indians <laughs> roster? I'm sorry. Is the answer? Is the Indians roster right now as it is good enough to beat the Astros, Yankees? red socks of the world mm-hmm.
0: first of all i asked a question and instead i get a question <laughs> god damn it um i personally i don't think so but you just answered your own question but no but here's but here's the thing and it kind of um ties into what the mets are doing like they have these all these really talented guys like the Cindergars and the groms like these are the guys that could potentially help them compete and so Mets, it's a smaller market like if you don't compete now, like, when are you going to compete? Same thing with the Indians. Like, if you're not going to compete right now with the Francisco Lindor, with Jose Ramirez, with Corey Kluber, with Trevor Bauer, like, when are you going to compete? This is your moment right now. Are you really going to just give up on everything, throw everything away, and start just going I-
2: – I'm going to be honest with you, Richard. I don't see us trading Corey Kluber or Trevor Bauer as giving up on everything. I I don't see it, dude. Dude, we have four very quality starters. Are you forgetting that we just signed Carlos Carrasco to an extension? Do you forget that Mike Clevenger has the potential to be better than both Trevor Bauer and Corey Kluber? Like... Dude, we have we there's, have pieces.
0: There's no one that's going to be better than Trevor Bauer. Yeah,
2: Trevor Bauer is going to be the best pitcher in baseball next year. I'm just saying Mike Clevenger Dude. is a really good piece that's mm-hmm. going to potentially be really good. Yeah,
0: Mike Clevenger um, kind of looks like a 70s porn star, which is why I love him. <laughs> Dude, he's so
2: chill. He's such a chill surfer guy. But no, like in general, you got to think about it this way, Richard. Um, I don't think you understand like how much of a small market the Cleveland Indians are. No, but that's yeah, exactly.
0: I do. That's why I'm, I'm questioning like, you got to just go all in again with what you got.
2: How do you go all in when we've already had all our money tied in the because, extensions
0: and Edwin and because, well, like, I guess, but like put I put mean. it this way. Look at their division. Is there anyone other than the Indians who are winning that division right now or even coming close to compete with the Indians? I mean, if the White
2: Sox make moves, it's offseason maybe, but that's the only if Eloy Jimenez pans out and okay, they can go so, back and actually throw strikes. Okay, so—, so.
0: So essentially, no one's competing yeah, with the exactly. Indians.
2: Exactly. No, we. No, the. Here's the thing, though. That's why we're doing what we're doing. The Indians know that we could basically fall asleep and win 80 I mean, 82, 83 games, and still win the AL Central rather mm. easily. We're not worried about that. We're worried about once we get in, once we get into the playoffs, how we can, we can compete with those teams. And if we can't necessarily go out and pay money to go get some more pieces elsewhere, mm-hmm. then you kind of have to subtract from your strengths. It's what we did earlier. We shed some cap room with Jan Gomes in a position that we felt like mm-hmm. we had strength in. But at the same time, we need to still rebuild this minor league system because mm-hmm. here's the thing. In two, three years from now, yep. like I know, I know it's cute to think about winning right now, but two, three years from now, mm-hmm. we're not going to be contenders anymore, and we're not going to have a farm system to back that up. Mm-hmm. So in general, like... If we can go out and we can get outfield help, because first off, we need a lot of outfield help. But then on top of that, start kind of... if if we if, The point is, if trading Corey Kluber or Trevor Bauer right now is going to help us get more flexibility and more talent in the outfield, as well as giving us more talent in our minor league depth system, then I feel like it, from the Indians' perspective, it, it's a move that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like I get what you're saying. Why would you want to
1: get worse when you need to get better?
0: Mm-hmm. But I just think the time is now for them. Jared, what do you think?
1: I, I think I, I do agree with Pete in a sense that those trades might not necessarily mean they're giving up. I think when you look at the Chris Archer trade last year, the Rays gave up Archer, but they got two big league-ready guys with lots of club control left in, in Meadows and Glasnow. And I think if the Indians do something similar with that trade, uh, the Bauer trade, especially to the Dodgers, where if they get Verdugo back – Verdugo is a big league ready outfielder who has tons of control left that they're just going to plug in right away, especially after losing Brantley to to free agency this offseason. So I think the Indians know that the NL Central isn't the best, or the AL Central isn't the best. They know that they can win their division with 86, 87 wins for the next one to two years. It's just a matter of how can they maximize what they have left in Bauer and Kluber in order to be able to acquire either high end prospects or big league ready talent that's controllable for years.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but then also, like, kind of complimenting on Richard's point a little bit, I also like, I see where he's coming from. Because, like, why would, because, like, in theory, why would we ever want to subtract from something that's great? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the Indians, other than the Astros, the Indians have one of the sexiest starting rotations on paper in the entire league. I mean, mm-hmm. you have three potential – not potential – three Cy Young candidates as your one, two, and three. And then your fourth is Mike Clevenger. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's – the,
0: And then the Bieber kid who can round out that rotation. Oh, no. We have a lot of
2: guys. Like get, have, we have a
0: lot of guys. Not just Bieber. We have a I lot mean, of guys. I mean, you have some dudes. Um, but I guess and uh, having that in mind, um, your starting rotation being a strength, you can definitely – kind of subtract from there to add to whatever a very, else is very, lacking
2: a very very weak bullpen a very very weak outfield a very what? very an even weaker minor league mm. system right now because of us having to trade for those kind of pieces yeah yeah, basically, I, w- I wish we were like the Dodgers, who seem like they have never-ending top ten prospects that just show up every mm-hmm. single day. Like, yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you, every time the Dodgers make a trade for a big-time player, they like they like list off all these prospects, and they're like, "Oh yeah, no, these guys are all ranked like top ten in MLB pipeline." I'm gonna be honest, like two weeks before, I feel like I've never heard of them. But like um, in general, like I just sometimes feel like the the I. I feel like the LA Dodgers are that cheat code system and like out mm-hmm. of the park baseball that just magically just have the best, pro- like have the best farm system in the entire mm-hmm. Major League Baseball all the freaking time. Yeah, that's I guess with Magic Johnson, that's just what happens when you have money
0: and you mm-hmm. just kind of
2: throw things at things.
0: Right. Um, and speaking of the Dodgers, I believe they made a couple of moves um, already at these winter meetings. Uh, Jared, do you remember what? I, do you remember what they did? Joe Kelly. Joe Joe, Joe, Joe,
1: Joe Kelly, Kelly, Joe Kelly, 3 years, 25 million. And, and so it's 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 a legit deal and I think it signifies that they're trying to look at, looking at him as a 7th or 8th inning option mm. in the back end of their pen to set it up for Jansen.
0: Dude, they have like 10 different 7th and 8th inning options right now. <laughs> yeah. But
2: once again it's the Dodgers. Wow, another good player goes to the Dodgers. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh my god. Oh, Wow. Yeah, Joe Kelly is probably one of my favorite pitchers in baseball. That guy's personality is just top-notch. Dude, dude, God, I, I, like,
2: dude like, I bet it's so hard to be a Dodgers fan just to see the spoil of yeah. riches that their entire organization is. like. Mm-hmm. Like, Think about it this way. When they traded for Brian Dozier yep. under the table last year, oh, yeah. if the Indians trade for Brian Dozier... In Cleveland, it is like the biggest deal ever that we got Brian Dozier. But literally, I guarantee you that it, when Brian Dozier got traded to the um, Los Angeles Dodgers, they were just kind of like, oh, who's this guy? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, yeah, he's okay, I guess, whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in general, um, yeah. I'm, if you can't tell, I'm not necessarily um, the biggest Dodgers fan in the world.
0: It's because they're just so much better than everybody.
2: Well, yeah, but they still can't win a World Series. That's, that's, that's true. But, like, <laughs> I, I'd,
0: I'd like to compete. Yeah, like, I don't what are the playoffs like. I've seen two, two playoff appearances in, like, 24 years of existence. I keep forgetting that the Toronto Blue Jays have just seen
2: so much sadness. Mm-hmm. Kind, of, kind of like the equivalent of the sadness of, like, the Cleveland Cavaliers yeah. right now, which is really sad, by the way. Yeah. Don't ever be a Cavs fan. Dude,
0: and they're stuck um, in the worst division in baseball. Like, the Boston Red Sox are always so good. The Yankees are always so good. The Rays are trolls. The Rays are trolls. Dude, the Rays just troll everybody. And now, I really kind of like what the Baltimore Orioles are doing on just the front office side, just reworking everything, like just starting off fresh. Obviously, Chris Davis is still there, which is a nightmare and a half. But just, like, Michael Elias and what he's starting to bring in and the forward-thinking mentality that he's starting to bring into the Baltimore Orioles. Dude, there's... They know that the international signings is a thing now. I know they they can actually sign these players from people that aren't in the United mm-hmm. States. It's wild. It's they, they can look at the IM12 guys, um, <laughs> over, I M twelve guys.
2: I M twelve.
0: Yeah, over in the Dominican right now. Like, uh-huh. oh my god do Do you think they now know where Vladdy Guerrero came from? Maybe I feel like I feel like I.
1: The I think when the they, cat
2: knows look, look I'm going to be honest with you. I'm pretty sure when the Orioles signed a uh, Batty Guerrero in the end of his career, you know when he like spent a year in um, Baltimore. Oh, yeah. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure when they signed his contract and they said like was, his hometown was like
0: DR. They were like, was then De Ket in charge
2: back then? Yeah, yeah, he was still in charge by think He's been What's in charge oh, since okay. God knows what.
0: Okay, so that was that's one that,
2: of the biggest problems with the organizations right. come, is where the people who've been in for like twenty, thirty years. Yeah. Look at Bruce Bochy in the San Francisco Giants. Not the grandpa right. Bruce Bochi, he's a legendary manager, but like, well, he should go. But yeah, uh, but, he should totally not be a manager, like just saying.
0: Um but yeah, when the when they signed Vladdy Guerrero that time, he was that was pretty much their equivalent for international signing. Yeah, that know, A
2: thirty six year old free agent who is on the down clip of his career. Yeah, that's that's yeah, pretty much that. With,
0: with Dominican Republic on his passport. Yeah, and that's I'm, pretty I'm, much I'm pretty it. sure
2: when it said DR, they're like, What what city what city from uh, they're like, what city in California is called DR? <laughs>
0: like, yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's probably like, that's oh, a very good point. And they're like, "Wow, this guy can hit a little. This guy can hit a little bit. Yeah, he can really help us win." <laughs> yeah,
2: the win. winning, Richard, define um, success. I mean, being a Jays fan,
0: I just don't really know.
2: Dude, how does it how does it feel to know that the peak of your baseball watching career and Jared? It's, it's I about, hope you I it's hope It's you, about yeah, to happen. Jared, yeah,
0: Jared, I hope
2: I hope you um I hope you laugh really hard at this, but like <laughs> how does it feel to know that the peak of your not not baseball like front office mm-hmm. career, but your baseball fandom career is a bat flip by jose Bautista and the nlds i mean alds yeah and being eliminated like five days later by ryan Merritt. oh dude that was so great i loved that so much and then here's here's reality for the blue jays the next year jose Bautista getting get roundhoused by Renato door that's mm-hmm. basically that's that's that sums up Blue Jays fanhood right there, does it not? Kind
0: of breaks my heart.
2: Breaks your heart? Well, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll let Richard sit here and heartbreak. Jared, I've kind of left you quiet here for a while, man. Chime in on this. What do you think about everything that we're kind of spewing out right um, now? And oh. also,
0: sorry, uh, are there any moves that we missed? Uh, we probably missed a couple. Oh, no, we like, missed
2: the Jay Hat move. We missed. Oh, goal. Jesus. Yeah, we missed a lot of those moves. By the way, Jared, please. Put, please put your voice into this. I'm tired of hearing uh, my own
1: voice. I think Richard Stetcher has been able to experience so a little bit of Blue Jays fandom, but let's, give him, let, let's just get him prepared for what he's about to witness over the next six years with Whoa. Vlad Jr. Wow. Because that is just where I think he's just going to be really lucky. Where You get to watch. Hugh, he, he has a chance to be, I think, one of the best hitters ever. With that bat speed, with his raw power, with the bloodline, you get to to have six years of Vlad Jr. And that's not even talking about Bo Bichette as well. So I think, yes, the Blue Jays, there's no historical success. You have the the One World Series back in the early 90s before Richard was born. But now you you get a chance to to really retool. And I think getting rid of Tulo is kind of a a big move. that's a lot of money they're going to have to eat over the next two years, but it's a sunk cost anyways. Why have him waste a roster spot when you can open up that spot to bring up young guys and give them a shot? Uh, I just think now baseball is getting so young and so talented, and the freak athletes are really starting to make their way through the systems. Acuna, Soto, now, now you have Vlad Jr. coming up. Um, and, that's, and especially Otani coming over last year, too. It, it really is kind of turning into, I guess, a golden age of prospects and a golden age of, of youth being able to compete at the major league level. So, yes, Blue Jays may not win that many games for the next few years, but Vlad Jr., getting to just watch him day in and day out is going to be something special.
0: Kind of sucks that that's kind of what we rely on. We're going to suck. But we have Vlad Jr. and well, you just,
2: see, dude, you talk about this in the group channel all the time. Hey, do you think the Toronto Blue Jays think that a uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. is from like some DR city
0: no, in California? Dude, oh, dude, they have Gil Kim running that t- that team's player development. I think he I think he knows exactly where um, Vlad Jr. is <laughs> from. But um, imagine being um, a guy who's given forty million dollars i say what kind of punch
2: in the face is that? Yeah. I would rather pay you 38 million dollars, not not 38,000, mm-hmm. not 380,000, not even 3.2 yeah. million. 38 million dollars. That is more than one of LeBron's houses in Cleveland. I would rather pay you that than to see you not play on my team, mm-hmm. to play against my team. Yeah. To, then rather just eat your contract and keep you on my team. But how much does that actually suck though?
0: Because you're still giving a lot of money. No,
2: you're getting $38 million, but I feel like that's kind of like a punch in the balls. I'm going to be honest. Because that's
0: your profession and you're giving all that money to just leave.
2: And then also at the same time, like you've given your heart and soul to that team and you've worked your tail because like, um, I don't know, like I'm sure you guys kind of get this too, but like when you're a professional athlete Mm -hmm. and especially like, at least from my perspective, being around all this, that it's kind of like, in general, just an amazing thing. Um, they work their tails off organizations and, like, in general, that's got to be the biggest punch in the balls I've ever felt. If I was too low, I'd probably cry just a little bit. Um, but then I would realize that I got paid $38 million and then I'd probably feel a lot better. But Jared, tell me about how you feel about this moment.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely from an ego perspective. Like you said, it's kind of a slap in the face. Like, wow, they're paying me millions of dollars to not play for them when what you really want is you want them paying you millions to play for them. But I, I think it, it definitely is the right move. Now it lets Tulo kind of try to make a comeback, try to get healthy again and try to find a team where he fits in. There's no doubt that he he is a talented player. I, I just, obviously the talent isn't there compared to what it used to be when he was one of the best shortstops in the game. And yes, he's getting old, but at the same time, I think for him, if he can get healthy again, he just wants another shot. And I think with guys like him, guys who had that track record of success and who have been elite athletes their entire life, it's really hard to kind of have that moment when it hits you that, wow, like I'm not what I used to be anymore. Yeah, and so I think it's tough. It's really tough. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well. Anyways, we can probably talk about the Blue Jays for days. I can talk. I about I know it
1: you really. can, Richard.
0: But I think we got we got to wrap this up. Keep in mind, Pete and I are still hungover, and we got to like figure out our lives right now.
2: Hey, we're not hungover. We feel a hundred percent because we were totally doing completely sober mature businessmen things last night we are definitely not
0: hungover at all i don't know what you're talking about richard dude i feel like shit right now (laughs) anyways anyways we're gonna wrap this up another great episode jared thank you again for coming on board lots of fun talk the Vegas winter meetings have been really really great um can't wait till next year san diego Oh, God,
2: I cannot wait to see how much. Like, I I should just burn my wallet now for how much money I'm going to have to spend for that, too.
0: I mean, whatever happens in San Diego, it's probably a lot better than spending $750 American just to withdraw money from an ATM at the casino. So, anyways, on that note, this has been Pitching the Contact. Until next week. Peace.